Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington. I'm your host. This is Women's Football Success. I am doing part two or episode 1815 of Women's Football Success, and it is having to do with the Best of the West uh, Owners Forum and women's football in general. If you want to hear this in full detail, go back to episode 1814. Start there. Um, that's about 45 minutes long. This one will probably be another 45 minutes long because I um, watched the women's, um, sorry, Best of the West Women's Forum for the two and a half hours. And I kind of went point by point things that I wanted to address having to do with the forum. So I may have already talked about something that you're trying to listen to in the last episode. We're going to post those um, on uh, Blog Talk on the JC Hawk Network for women's football success. It'll be episode 1814 and 1815. And um, if you guys could just take some time to listen to, um, this is kind of another side or another approach or maybe um, a devil's advocate, if you will. Um, not that I'm fully opposite of all of the owners that were on the panel. Um, I agree with some of the things that they say and I strongly disagree with a lot of the things that they say. So um, I wanted to put some information out there. Um, and again, if you don't know who I am, that's fine. Um, I've been in women's football for a long time. I'm very passionate about it. And um, I don't have to do this. This is something um, that actually eats into my time of my other stuff. But I feel a duty, a responsibility, an obligation to Make sure that people that are getting into women's football understand what they're getting into. And sometimes if they call a number and get information about one thing, they don't get a full picture. Um, and that is number one, I mean, from the get-go, that is bad business decision-making. Um, so if you've only talked to one or two people in women's football um, and you get have a one-sided view, um, you're already doing yourself and your team and your players a disservice. But with that being said, again, this is Women's Football Success, episode 1815. My name is Lynn Marie Liberty Ellington. And a disclaimer really quick, um, I am the owner of the Dallas Elite Women's Football Team. I'm co-owners with my husband and Maria Spencer. Um, we became co-owners last year. And I am also an attorney licensed to practice law in the state of Arkansas. I have to do this disclaimer every time because I want to make sure that you guys realize that anything that I say or do having to do with women's football, um, any of our print materials, our books, our digital materials, webinars, etc., um, it's all business information. None of it um, is legal information. So um, this does not create a um, attorney-client relationship. Um, if you need an attorney and you're having a problem. Um, seek an attorney um, that does work in your jurisdiction and um, in the area of law that you need with experience um, in that area. With that being said, I'm going to get back on topic. Um, I was talking about, um, we were talking about the significance of the need for change in women's football um, and the idea that um, 10 years later from the first time that I started even heard about women's football and became part of women's football were really at the same or a similar situation. We still have um, multiple leagues. 
We still have leagues that are doing things very differently. Um, we still have teams that are switching and changing leagues and, um, you know, splitting off and separating. We still have teams that are, um, you know, taking money from from investors or and, and not giving them back what they deserve um, or what they, they asked for or what they were told they were going to get. Um, and I think that this does women's football a disservice all the way around. Um, you know, when, when a kind of going back just a little bit back to the last episode where we talk about um, what are the what parts of this are the owner's fault. Um, I think it is the owner's responsibility to do the research and determine which league they should be in. Um, and um, if you can't be in a league, there's a reason why. Um, if you're not allowed in a league, I think that people should ask why. Um, with that being said, the most important thing as a team owner is the planning process. And some of these team owners are failing their teams at that point, the very, very beginning. The reason why is because if you if you listen to the panel, you you know you you got a range of twenty five thousand to eighty thousand to run a team, and I agree with those numbers. You could you can uh, grassroots um, afford a team for twenty five thousand um, dollars, and you could go all the way up to eighty thousand dollars. It requires business planning. All of these owners should have done a business plan. Add up the numbers. Find out if it's realistic to have a women's football team. If it's not realistic, if the numbers are too high and you don't have the money, you don't have the investors, you don't have the fundraisers, then it's your fault. I All these teams keep putting it out on the leagues. You know, if you, if you go and you're looking at a business and you say, oh, I want to own a restaurant, and you say, okay, well, there's five restaurants over here, and there's a bar over here, and there's a cafe, and there's a breakfast place here. Um, well, then I'm going to put one way, way, way out here, 70 miles away. Um, and I'm going to hope and pray that people come and visit me. And it's going to be super expensive for me to get all my supplies there. Um, that's on you. You chose to create a women's football team far away from other people. That's on you. You should have done a business plan. You knew the numbers to from the beginning, um, which is interesting, an interesting point because um, a lot of you guys don't know that I don't live in Dallas anymore. I We don't live in Dallas. We live in Russellville, Arkansas. So we could have put a team in Russellville, Arkansas, and we still can put a team in Russellville, Arkansas or Fayetteville or whatever. We didn't want to go into Little Rock because we're not those type of people. There's already a team in Little Rock and uh, we're not here to screw people. We, you know, we want to be in women's football and the Dallas Elite owner um, asked us to be part of it. So we did our due diligence. We did our business plan, said, we'll, we'll do this. So we chose because we educated ourselves and thought, hmm, is it viable to have a team in Russellville, Arkansas? No. So if you chose to put a team way out in Oregon, knowing that there's no other teams around, then what you did was you were supposed to create a business plan 
that came up with fundraisers for you to make all the travel expenses. That is on you. Just being, just being said. So if you have, so let's go back to this tier three, tier two, tier one thing um, for a minute. And it's kind of goes on the same idea of business planning. So if you did a business plan and it said that it's gonna cost you $10,000 and you're bootstrapping it and you're out in the middle of nowhere and you don't have any fundraisers, you don't have any promotions, etc., then it's on you as a business owner to find ways to get those players to those games um, so that we don't have forfeits. Now, that's the league can't do anything about that. Somebody buys into the league and they're saying that they're gonna get those players to that to that, those games, to all of the games. That, that's not the league's fault. Um, let's talk a little bit about these blowouts. Whose fault is it? You can't blame the league for a blowout. And by the way, the best of the West, we're all talking about this super competitive stuff, blowouts. There were blowouts at the best of the West tournament that turned into a championship. So it, the first part of this is a business plan to determine if having a women's football team is viable. If you can't afford it, you need to not have a women's football team. And again, go back to these people and ask these people, how much money did you put into the team? Have you put in 4,000? Because you're asking me for 4,000. And you'll find out that some of these people have put no money into these teams. So it's very important for people to start with the business planning process to create this transparency in women's football. Um, but once you've done that research and determine, oh, well, Oregon, you know, it's gonna be 75,000 and I can only raise 50,000, then you say, is this a viable business? Yes or no? No, then you don't start it. If you go through these numbers and you say, okay, well, I'm in, you know, I'm in Kansas City and I'm just, you know, again, I don't know anything about Kansas City, but I got a team over here, I got a team over here, I got a team over here. This is doable. And you go down, answer the question, is this a viable business? Yes. Then you take on the responsibility of having that business. But don't be putting the, the blame on the, the leagues because you didn't go out and recruit people or you didn't go out and get the fundraising done. So I don't want to be pissy about this, but I agree in some ways that um, it's the fault of the owners, for sure, that are not doing these things. But I don't necessarily think that that means that we need to create a new league I think that we need to fix the problems of the 65 teams or 70 teams that we already have that want to play football. Now, there are some teams in that 70 that shouldn't, couldn't, or wouldn't play football. Um, you know, the a lot, of, a lot of people don't realize in women's football, there's a lot of different things going on, okay? Um, and a lot of people, you know, we talk about this, this chat room or this, these stories and these ideas that are going on in the background. Nobody's getting the truth. So I've actually, you know, we've been going back and forth on this, but I got a tell-all book coming out 
on women's football. I'm, I'm writing a tell-all book right now on women's football. And you'll be amazed at how much this mimics a soap opera. Because there are so many different things going on in women's football and people telling people different stories as to, you know, why they did this or why they couldn't do this or why we didn't have enough players or how this happened or whatever. Um, I'm putting this tell-all book out there because I think it's very important for people to know the types of things that are going on in women's football. And um, the, you know, if, if, you know, leagues, new leagues starting with new investors, these investors need transparency. They need to understand they, what's going on in women's football. They need to know seriously, honestly, how many people are coming to the games. They need to know honestly what's happening behind the scenes that players aren't getting able to play. They're paying the money in. Where's the money going? Money's missing. Why is that? You know, they're not hearing about the, you know, the, the spying. I mean, it's almost like a spy novel, seriously, in women's football. I mean, you got some espionage going on. You got some uh, different uh, serious situations going on in women's football. And I think that it deserves people knowing all of these things being exposed about women's football because women, you know, we keep talking about this hamster wheel. Why are we on this hamster wheel? Why I, you know, there are stories behind the stories that will tell you why we're on a hamster wheel and why people can't get along, why things aren't working correctly, why things aren't cohesive. So um, I'm putting together this tell-all book. You know, it goes into details about, um, teams that have done different things, why they've done them, how they've done them. I've got letters, I've got videos, I've got audio. Um, it's gonna be fabulous. I'm super excited about it. Um, I don't know that I'm gonna have it out in the next couple weeks, um, but it's really important that people know that women's football is not in the state it's in because people aren't trying or people aren't doing the work. It's because um, there's sabotage, there's um, different kinds of um, financial things going on that people need to know about. So women's football can be successful, no doubt, 100%. Um, if you ever listen to me talk or you've been to one of my um, conferences or, or shows, um, you'll know that I am one of the biggest advocates for women's football. I think it can be worth millions. I think each team can be worth millions. Um, I've said it before. I tell my husband all the time, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers are his favorite team. They're worth about $980 million. Nine million would be fine for me, you know? Um, if each of the women's football teams in the WFA was worth $9 million, I would be so happy. Because if you're worth $9 million and I'm worth $9 million, we are all making money. It, we're, we're having a serious business conversation, okay? Um, I don't know that each team can be worth $9 million in the next four or five years, um, but it is possible. And, um, you know, I think that starting another league is not the way to go. I think that embracing the struggling teams that we have and getting them educated and learning the skills to do what needs to be done would make a bigger impact on women's football than starting another league and splitting people up again. Um, you know, we have these hostile takeovers that are happening and teams splitting. Um, 
people, this is serious stuff. These are businesses that people are trying to split apart to another business um, that, and they have no rights to do this. So I'm gonna expose all this stuff. I'm putting all this information out there, um, all the details, the documents, all this stuff that's important for people to realize that what is keeping women's football down? I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna show you what's keeping women's football down. Um, and I've expressed it to some of the other teams and um, and told them, you know, this is what's happening. Some of them take it seriously. Some of them say, oh, not a big deal. It is a big deal. Um, and I feel that it's important that all of these um, people that are involved in women's football know about this stuff. And um, I think it's important that people see the, the, how big the hamster wheel is that we're on and how can we fix the hamster wheel into a treadmill and then into a track field, okay? So we don't need a new league. It, it, that's not what the answer is. You know, I would go back to those questions. Why are all these teams not going to the biggest league in the nation? Um, again, I am biased about the WFA. Um, I was there from almost the beginning. Um, had the first conversations with, the, with Lisa and Jeff when they were f first creating the WFA. Um, I understand where people would think that maybe um, things haven't gone perfectly for every team and haven't gone the exact way that every team wants them to. But that's fine, and that's that's what we call business. Um, so I commend Lisa and Jeff. Um, <laughs> I would not want to be dealing with all the bullshit that you deal with. So all the love to you, but um, this is craziness. Um, and again. In the 10, you know, we started in women's football 10 years ago. We were out for about four years. So we were in six, out four. We're back. It's the same bull crap. Um, but hopefully we can get that fixed. Um, I would ask again, why are these teams not in the WFA? Um, I understand that the US WFL, we've talked to, to some people there. Um, I feel that there's a lot of teams that have low numbers, that don't know how to recruit, that need some some checklists, that need some processes and procedures to be to learn and know how to do these things. I'm willing to give these things to people. I'm willing to educate people uh, because I think that it's much, much easier to take a team that's struggling with 10, 15, 18 players. Um, that maybe doesn't know what their budgeting is and maybe doesn't know what their fundraisers should be. Um, I think that it's better that we embrace those teams and make them better as opposed to try and split and kick out or get rid of um, that situation. Um, you know, the, the discussion on the Best of the West Forum, um, I'm not sure what to say about it. Uh, the WFA has a transgender policy that was proven last year. Um, the WFA sends out information in emails and on our, uh, you know, Facebook groups with the owners. If the owners aren't getting the information to you, then 
that's a discussion that needs to be made there. Maybe they're too busy. Maybe they're just not sure how to do it. Uh, maybe they don't have the processes and procedures in place to then um, transfer that information onto the players. Um, the WFA has over 65 teams. Um, why do we want to split off and have another eight uh, team league? I don't. I just don't get that. If somebody can explain to me why that is beneficial to women's football, I, I would love to um, do a debate. Um, style conference and and get some dialogue going about why we need another league or whether some teams just need to not be teams anymore. Um, that's, you know, that's a possibility. Okay, so let's go on to this Best of the West tournament. So once again, I mean, I, I understand that I guess the IWL was struggling with having teams actually show up or forefoot games. But again, that goes back to the, the owners picked that league or, or were only allowed to be in that league or however it worked. Um, but the tournament then turned into a championship, um, which is a crock. I, I don't get that at all. Um, and I think other people should question that. How, how can you be a championship of something that you just, you know, you fell out of one and picked it up and then just made a name up? I, I have a hard time. And then we talk about all the, the reasons that we were doing this, and there were still blowouts at the top, supposedly top, top teams, still blowouts with zero points, okay? Again, I'm not faulting the owners on the forum for the blowouts, and I'm not faulting the leagues for the blowouts. The... It's each team's responsibility. Each team has to um, educate their players and get, get them to the quality of play to be competitive. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes teams can't do it. I mean, shit, we have the Cleveland Browns, for God's sakes. I mean, not nothing against Cleveland. I'm from Ohio, but really, I mean, some teams just are not competitive year after year after year. The NFL doesn't kick them out or say that we need to make a new league because of it. It just does not make sense. The The thought process behind this um, and the uh, business model that's being talked about um, is very contradictory. If you if you watch the, the forum from beginning to end, it basically goes back and says the opposite of what it was saying at the beginning. So let's talk about, so what did the tournament do? Um, I understand that the, the four teams competed in the tournament, but in doing so, they screwed the other teams that were back in the IWFL. People that know me know I'm not, you know, the best of uh, proponents for uh, the IWFL. Um, I think that they should have closed a long time ago, um, years ago, but Creating this tournament didn't help the IWFL, didn't help women's football, but it broke up a league and it left those other four or six teams to fend for themselves. Um, that's That does not show me this togetherness, this sisterhood, this promotion of women's football. None of that tells me that. So the, the message doesn't connect with the activity. So... My guess is, and I don't know um, because I haven't talked to any of the, the players that went, but I'm assuming that the cost to the players 
when they signed up for women's football and they played a certain particular fee to play football this year, I'll bet the travel costs tripled because of this tournament um, because they, nobody expected to have to go to the tournament. Now, I don't know if the team took on those costs or if the players had to take on those costs or, the, or if the players had to take on um, more fundraising to go to Vegas to play these games, but that's on the owners, right? The owners decided to switch it up and change all this stuff around. So I'm, I'm really disappointed in that because I feel like that, again, contradicts what we're talking about, how we're, we're trying to make it easier for players to play and cheaper for them to play, but the message doesn't meet the, what's actually happening. And again, nothing against the owners, but that we're in the forum. Um, I'm sure this is happening in several places. You know, some of these teams, um, they, they offer season tickets. You know, a season ticket for, you know, $10 for a game ticket and a 30 if you buy a season ticket. Well, then they only have two games. Then those people deserve their money back. Where did the money go? Why can't they get their money back? They should get their money back. If those, if those games aren't played and you didn't have the cost of travel or you didn't have the cost of a stadium, people should get that money back. So instead, we'll spend that money on going to Las Vegas. I don't know. I, I just, it, it doesn't sit well with me. But anyway, um, with respect to the Best of the West tournament, um, I understand that it was put together very quickly, a couple, couple of weeks. Um, I don't know that business decisions made in, in that time frame and that hastily um, are the best. Um, but, you know, I, there was not a lot of video of the stands, but if you count the people in the stands and you do the math, I'm just not getting to where this was a profitable, productive business model. Um, and again, I offer if we want to do, if somebody would like to do a debate or get on a show and explain how this is, I would love to have, you know, a moderated even uh, debate about how this makes sense for women's football and how this betters women's football. Um, and then again, about the Best of the West tournament, I mean, um, the, I, my understanding was is it was supposed to promote the best, the elite, the greatest, the, the best of women's football to show investors. Um, and I don't feel that it did that. Um, it showed that there was really no support staff. I mean, the, the, the uh, sponsorships behind it were, you know, lacking and the number of people that supported it were lacking. Um, the live stream didn't happen, wasn't working. Um, there was really, you know, a lot of poor visibility and then the forum was kind of jittery. I, I mean, with that being said, um, I had difficulty with my live streamer this year as well. So um, kudos, but if, if this is what we're saying is gonna be the top of the top, um, then again, the message is not connecting with the activities. Okay, so let's talk about real quick, we're in this about 30 minutes again. Um, I want to talk about the issue that people um, put up about the proximity rule, okay? And um, it's interesting the, the discussion that the owners had about the proximity rule because 
it's the reason it's the reason why some of the teams are not being able to be in the WFA. Um, or another team came into the WFA while they were out of the WFA and now they are in that proximity so they can't come back in. I hope people understand what I just said. So if there's a team, and I don't know if this is what happened in San Diego, but I'm just giving you an example by location. So if San Diego was in the WFA and they got out and the WFA replaced it with another San Diego team and then San Diego wants to get back in, then the proximity rule may apply. Now that might not be the only reason why a team is not getting back into the WFA. There may be other reasons that people don't know about and probably shouldn't be talking about if they don't know. Um, but the proximity rule keeps teams in close proximity out of, the, out of a league, okay? Everybody understands that? Um, a lot of the time, that's because a team broke off. So one San Diego team became two San Diego teams. It's happened in LA. It's happened in Pittsburgh. It's happened in Dallas. Um, I think it happened in New Orleans or somewhere South Florida, Florida, Louisiana area. It's happened. Um, it's happened in Austin. It's happened in Houston. I mean, it's happening. Um, and there's several reasons why it's happening. Some of them are good and some of them are very bad. So the proximity rule um, is there to protect teams um, and the leagues um, have it there to protect the businesses. Let me explain this to you in basic business terms um, and, and we can go even down to a small, small local area. Um, if you go and you try to open a business in a shopping center, the contract is gonna say, so let's say for example, it's a shopping center and there's a Target, there's a cupcake shop, there's an Arby's, there's a Payless, whatever, right? And you go and you wanna start another store, another exactly the same store. There's a part in the contract that says, no, we are not going to put a Walmart right next to a Target. We are not putting a Home Depot right next to a Lowe's. Um, you take that down to some more grassroots businesses and, and some small, smaller uh, shopping centers and they'll say two beauty salons can't be in the same shopping center. Um, two consignment shops aren't in the same. Two law firms, two accounting firms, whatever the case is. Now let's take that to a citywide level. How many NFL teams or how many areas have two NFL teams? One kind of, um, but they can sustain it and they can support it. But I'll tell you, if you're only getting 200 people to your games, then having another team come in next to you is very detrimental to your business. And it cannot happen. It should not happen. So if you live in Kansas City and there's already a team in Kansas City, you have two options. One, move and start a team somewhere else or start a team somewhere else and travel to it, like I do. Or three, don't start a team. Again, move, start a team in a different location 
Start a team in a different location and travel to it or don't start a team because you're diluting the market for that team and you're hurting that team. Um, and if, the, if a league isn't gonna allow that to happen, it, it's really bad for the businesses, both businesses, especially if one business um, is trying to steal or take um, other players from other teams um, and they're trying to steal and take uh, sponsors and fields and different things like that. Um, there have been situations where teams can work together. Um, the Lone Star Mustangs and the Dallas Diamonds, even though we didn't want to, we both shared a, a stadium, uh, HEB Stadium, um, for one year, I think it was, um, when the Dallas Diamonds were led into the WFA uh, with the um, Lone Star Mustangs. And it did hurt our business, for sure. Um, but it's what happened and, and we worked with that. Um, we also have the Arlington Impact that we work with very well. Um, we, you know, we've contacted them, we've talked to them. We don't talk to their players. We don't try to steal their players because there's a million other people in Dallas that can, that, and we can find 60 women that want to play football. So when you talk about the proximity rule, and it's funny because in the discussion on the forum, the discussion was that they're for the they're not for the proximity rule, and that I think is um, a backup in case their league does not work out. Um, if they do not create this league and they've already left the IWFL and they've already left the WFA or left both of them or not allowed back in both of them, they're trying to say that the proximity rule should be changed as a backup if this new league doesn't work. The proximity rule is so important, so, so important. That's why you can't, you don't put two restaurants back to back, um, two barbecue, you know. I mean, obviously you can have, you can have like a, a barbecue place and a coffee shop, totally gonna work side by side. But you don't put two barbecue restaurants right next to each other. It's really bad for business. And that's the same for women's football. You shouldn't put two women's football teams in the same city. Um, but Anyway, let's go on. Um, and th that's a basic business uh, fundamental rule. If people are saying that this is good, they do not understand basic fundamental business principles, okay? If they feel that proximity rule does not make sense, they do not understand basic business principles. And I'm willing to have a discussion and debate on that as well. So I go back to the same thing. Why are all these other teams, the USFL, USFL, shit, I'll do it again, USWFL. I've talked to them. I understand their reasons. Um, I agree. I disagree. Um, I, under, I appreciate and I understand what they're doing. Do I hope at some point that those teams want to come over to the WFA and make a larger league? For sure. I want other teams to come over and want to be a part of the WFA because I think that by filling in these gaps, like I said, almost like a, a not a puzzle, but a connect the dots, the, long, the longer the line is to connect the dots, the more expensive women's football is and the less viable the business plan is going to be, right? The shorter the lines between the dots, 
the best scenario, which is why I chose to have a women's football team in Dallas the first time, and I chose to do it the second time. Um, because at, at the time, we had the uh, Arlington Impact, the Dallas um, Elite, we have the Austin Outlaws, we have the Houston Power, we had the Tulsa team, um, we had the Little Rock team, um, there was a team in Louisiana, uh, Katie on Zydeco we played a couple times, there's a team in New Orleans. Uh, so um, by filling in those dots, we were able to make women's football more reasonably priced for all the teams. And I reached out to places um, and we and we were able to get teams in Colorado, uh, Colorado Springs, Denver, El Paso, San Antonio. Those were all, you know, I solicited for women's football teams in those areas to hopefully put, you know, make the lines shorter between the dots, if that makes sense. I hope I hope that understanding of it. Um, women's football, the biggest expense is the travel. And we don't get the sponsorships that we think we should get or think we deserve. Um, that's all bullshit. Um, the NFL has been around a lot longer. And so we can compare ourselves or mimic in some ways, but in others, it's not It's not even in the same ballpark. So there's not even any reason to discuss it. But um, let's get on to the Best of the West Women's Forum. Talked about uh, league structure and um, they got real into like business and how the business model should be changed. And rather than the teams playing the league, that the league should be play, paying the teams. And I would love to see this business model on paper and maybe a presentation on how that's supposed to work. Um, but it's just not feasible. Um, and the NFL way back, not comparing it to what it is now, but way, way back, teams paid like $1,500, $1,900, $3,500 to buy a team or to be in the league. And they paid each, you know, each year. Um, and that's that's the point we're at still. How does it, how, I don't understand why people are so confused as to what that means. Um, if the league were made up of millions and millions and millions of sponsorships, then I could see where you would divide it out and have um, some sort of uh, maybe profit sharing or some sort of sponsorship. Um, but if you're going to have... Uh, 75 people in the stands at the Best of the West tournament or 100 people in the stands, um, you are not going to be able to get a million dollars. Um, they've tried it. Um, investors have approached it. Um, it did not. It did not work. It did not pass. Um, but I mean, I but I applaud the effort and I hope, you know, for the best. Um, but I think that women's football is not there yet. We're thinking too big. We're thinking too big and we're thinking in the wrong direction. So my approach to women's football is to embrace the struggling teams. Let's get some help for the teams that are struggling. And I'll tell you, you know, again, I'm not saying that my team has not struggled. Um, in the past, my teams have been profitable every year except for last year. And um, there's one reason why my team was not profitable last year, um, but that'll be in the tell-all book that I'm giving you 
um, here in a couple weeks. Um, but I have the processes, I have the procedures. I want to share these with you guys. I want to help women's football get to the next level. And I don't think that that's gonna be done by um, kicking people out or saying they're not good enough. Um, I think it's gonna be by embracing the teams, most of the teams that we have. Um, some of the teams do, you know, do need to move on. Um, but I think by embracing a lot of the teams that are struggling and giving them the tools that they need to be successful is a better approach. And um, I'm gonna be doing that. Um, I'm gonna put a couple different things out there. Um, I have a sponsorship package that I want to share on the website um, for you guys um, to, you can mimic it, you can change, you know, obviously don't use, if, if you've not learned anything from this, don't use my logo. Um, with that being said, if you want to take that sponsorship package and change it and alter it, and but it's a, it, I'll give it to you as a template of what you can do to get sponsorships. Um, I'm even putting together some videos on how to go out and have the players get sponsorships um, and how um, support staff can go out and get sponsorships. So we have a lot of these things in the works. Um, I just realized I have a whole nother page to talk about from this Best of the West forum. So I wanna get that in under the hour. Um, okay, so um, they the, the Best of the West Women's Football Owner Forum um, started talking about competition and how, um, and not everyone, is, what did they say? Not everyone is destined to own a women's football team. I 100% agree. There are people in women's football that shouldn't own a women's football team. There are people in women's football that should not own a women's football team. There are also people in women's football that own a women's football team, but don't have the skills yet and can be nurtured and can be shown and can be taught how to own a women's football team. And those are the people that should be in women's football. Okay, so there was another discussion on the uh, Best of the West Women's Forum that talked about a thousand teams and how the, the WFA wants to have a thousand teams or, or kind of gave the perception that the WFA wants to have a ton of Division Three teams and this and that, and that a team gets to pick which division they're in. Not true. I, I'm not even sure where that's coming from. Um, and I can't really speak for the WFA because I don't know what their number is, but as a business owner, from my perspective, I would think we want to be in the 120 range at this point in women's football um, to fill in those holes and to lower travel costs. And then maybe later on, lower that number and have feeder teams or secondary division teams, et cetera. But that's, I'm not, even, I'm not gonna get into that with you guys yet, but um, there is, there's nothing said, there's nothing been written, there's no, nothing been talked about that the WFA is trying to get thousands of teams and just want to have a, a, a big number because it it gives them money. 
it's interesting when I talk to people about this because they talk about the fact that it takes 80,000, 25,000 to 80,000 um, to uh, run a women's football team. Do you know how much it takes to run a women's football league? So let's just say that, I don't know, 60 teams, you know, some of them pay 2,000, some of them pay 5,000, right? So let's uh, go to the middle, 1,000 bucks each. That's $60,000. Now subtract off what w, uh, ESPN3 costs. I mean, you guys can do the math and sit down. I mean, you talk about transparency, sit down, add the numbers together and see how realistic you are. And then let's talk about, we have 65 teams. How many teams actually paid their fee? You know, some teams don't don't pay their fees, but the, the leagues are stuck having to use them because they've got them on their schedule. Now what can you do? Same thing with players. It, it, it's a league problem and it's a player problem. Let's just talk about that one for a second. So you have players that, you know, you have 25 players and because the players know that you need them, they don't pay their player fee. That hurts the team. That's not sisterhood. Let's go back up to the league setting. You're supposed to pay your $2,000 and you don't pay it. Well, you're already on the schedule for six or eight team, you know, six, six or eight games. But the, the league needs to keep you on the schedule because if they don't, then all those are forfeits. So talk about sisterhood, talk about uh, being a partnership. All those teams need to be play, playing their league fee and all those players need to be paying their player fee until we can get to a point where we can pay the players. Now, I do have some payer, some players that are getting paid this year. Um, I know that the women on the forum or the people on the forum said that's not happening. It's happening, okay? I have players that are not paying a player fee this year um, that are getting paid and have opportunities to get paid. So um, women's football, WFA, Nobody's ever said anything about having a thousand teams. Okay. Um, again, having multiple teams in the same area does the same kind of damage. Having a thousand teams would have do damage to women's football. Having multiple teams in one area does damage to women's football. Because what happens when um, somebody thinks that I'm a different team? I'm the Dallas Elite. I'm with the Dallas Elite. I didn't play in the tournament. But people confuse me and think that I did. Now, what if I haven't paid my stuff? Now, the other team looks bad because they think I'm we're associated. It's not good. There's not any good reason to have multiple teams in the same area. It damages the business altogether. And then again, so I get back the whole forum. Once we get done with the whole forum, um, I watched all two and a half hours of it. And the, the forum then contradicts itself, talking about this uh, the sisterhood and this connection and this team, um, but then talks about how it's ununified and then says that we need to be unified, but we don't need to be unified. Um, we need to separate. Um, I'll be honest with you guys, you know, I don't know all the answers. Um, I am willing to provide women's football teams that are struggling with some tools, some skills, some knowledge um, of how to be successful in women's football. Some people 
you know, that were on the forum equate success to having the best team um, or having the most profitable team. I don't know which teams um, equate what to what, right? Um, for me, um, business success and football success all lead to women's football success. So um, I'm really part of the business side of it. Um, and football is a large part of it. But if you have a really great women's football team that has really good skills, but you can't get sponsorships and you can't um, do what you say you're going to do, then you cannot, you're not being successful in my eyes. Um, so I'm going to leave you guys with that. Um, I hope that you um, like the discussion or the talk that I had on this show. Like I said, the women's football success, it's not about play-by-play -play action of, women, of women's football. Um, there's several other shows that do that. Um, Coach Johnson, um, J.C. Hawk, Network, etc. Um, that's where you're going to go for that. Women's football success is about the getting women's football to a state where players are getting paid where people are getting recognition for what they're doing. And if we don't get this together and we keep splitting off and keep separating, um, you're doing women's football a disservice every time it happens. And it needs to stop. Um, hopefully, you know, we can um, continue to grow a large, one large league and bring in some of those teams that maybe went out to other leagues or created new leagues and um, embraced some of them. I There's some we cannot embrace. There's some teams that cannot be embraced uh, because of their actions and their strategies. Um, but with that being said, there are teams that, are, that have gone to other places because they felt they would get more support or they felt that it would be easier over there. And I, I'm not... I don't have any authority in the WFA, um, but I would look into the idea of how can we create this one giant league to be successful and all of us have good quality football and all of us promote our teams and all of us, you know, we talk about unity and it's kind of unity, but not unity. Um, again, uh, nobody has to love Roger Goodell, um, but if the if it's the rule of the NFL, they have to abide by it. Um, if they haven't abided by those rules, then they shouldn't be part of it. Um, so, with that being said, I'll go back to the last statement that I really, really um, liked, and that was hold on. I got like six pages here. Not everyone is destined to own a women's football team. Not everyone is destined to own a women's football team. But if you're interested in owning a women's football team or you already own a women's football team and you're willing to learn and you're willing to gain the skills and the knowledge necessary to be successful, I will help you. It's not the league's responsibility. It's, it's the owner's responsibility to gain that knowledge, okay? Um, you buy a restaurant, you start a restaurant, it's your responsibility. Um, you go become a part of the restaurant association 
And it's not there. That's almost the structure of a league is the association part. The, the restaurant association has nothing to do with me being successful as a restaurant. I decide what supplies I get. I decide how I advertise. I decide what people I serve. I decide what kind of food I serve. Um, so let's get women's football successful by educating the people that are here, getting rid of some of the people that don't need to be here, and embracing new teams and new people that want to own businesses. Uh, because I think women's football can be hugely successful. And if you talk to anybody that I've ever talked to in women's football over the years, all the different owners that have been here, um, some of them are already gone. Some of them are brand new. Um, I think that you will realize that women's football can be hugely successful and being a part of it can be exciting. Um, again, I'm going to give you some more information. I do have that tell-all book coming out. Um, to give you guys some details of the down low, the real deal of what's going on in women's football. Um, with that being said, um, all the information that I provide in the tell-all, um, people might talk about defamation of character or, oh my God, I can't believe that person's name's in there or that, that person did that or this is that. Um, all the information that I'm providing in the book is true with uh, supporting documentation or audio or video. Um, so uh, defamation of character has to do with, um, and I'm not giving legal advice, this is just basic information you can get on the internet. Defamation of character has to do with um, uh, telling something about somebody that is not true to hurt them. So if it's true, you're already out of defamation of character. So if it's a true statement, then defamation of character doesn't exist, okay? So um, the information that I'm providing, documents, audio, video, um, I feel that it's important that people need to understand this. If they're gonna become investors or they're gonna become business owners in women's football, they need to know what's happening in women's football. Um, again, you can reach me through the Dallas Elite Women's Football Team, um, go to the championship um, here in about three days, four days. Uh, I hope to see you guys there. I hope to talk to all of you. And um, I'm super excited about women's football success. Like I said, we've been doing the radio show for about 15 weeks now. So we've been putting the content in there, but I didn't really want to tell too many people about it. So um, we're finally getting it out there because I know once you, once you know it's there, you want like this content really, really fast. Um, and a lot of content. So you can go to um, Super Small Biz, so www.supersmallbiz.com, and that's my um, business consulting website. And if you click on Women's Football Success, um, there's different pages there for owners, coaches, support staff, and players, and it talks about different topics that are important to those people. We have a ton of things coming out. We're gonna have a coaching webinar um, that helps coaches understand women's football and how to coach women because a lot of the coaches that come in um, aren't prepared to teach women. Um, we have a lot of stuff in there for owners as far as owning the business, running the business, planning, strategy, marketing, social media. We have uh, information on there for support staff that's going to go into um, what support staff do with 
social media, with the event planning, with fundraising, all those different things. And then we have a page there for players, which is going to go into, we're coming out with um, uh, player training. We're coming out with how to become uh, more competitive and maybe jump out as a paid player on a team, um, depending on if those teams allow players to get paid. Um, so there's a lot of stuff coming out. I'm really excited about it. Tell All Book, Women's Football Success. Um, if you want to go join the group, Women's Football Success Facebook group, um, I, we're starting to get members in there and then I'm gonna open it up for more discussion, but I wanna wait until we have people interested in it. Um, before I start putting more time and effort towards it because I have a big group of people that, that that's behind me that helps me with this stuff. So um, I find it's very important to stay focused on the three or four or five things that I'm doing so that um, I can be successful in all of them as opposed to kind of running in circles and doing everything. So again, I appreciate you guys' time. Um, this episode 1815 is part two of the series for about the women's football, uh, best of the West women's football forum that happened um, last week and uh, kind of my take on it, my opinions on it. Um, and some questions that I think that everybody should be asking about women's football. Um, it's, it's, a big, um, it's a big challenge to be a women's football owner and to do it successfully and to do it with integrity and um, to do it with transparency and, and let your players know uh, where the money's going, how things are going, you know, what we're buying, what what facilities are costing, etc. Um, so it's very important um, that um, you guys share with me any questions that you have. I'm really excited um, to kind of launch this and let this out there. This is episode, like I said, 14 and 15. So you can go all the way back to episode one and each episode is about 40 minutes to an hour um, and, and listen to each of the episodes. We talk about um, how to do a tryout. We talk about fundraising. Um, we've done a little bit about facility and event planning. And I've done just little basic things just to get you a little bit of information so that kind of wet your whistle or, or get you a little bit interested in understanding these things. And if you don't have these processes in place or you don't have a checklist for it or whatever, um, I have a concession stand checklist. I have, uh, uh, I think there's things on there about what the best um, concession stand items are. Um, so you can go onto the Facebook group. I really appreciate you guys' time. Please, sending, please continue sending questions and asking me to go over these things because I have no problem um, giving you my take on this, for example, the Best of the West uh, Owners Forum. And I have no problem uh, expressing myself on the different things that are going on. But let's uh, embrace uh, women's football and make it successful together. I hope you guys have a great day. We'll talk to you later. See you at the championship. Yeah.